When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Mail checks, invoices, documents, and everything you need to keep your business running. Get rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS. And with the mobile app, you can take care of mailing on the go. Make the same no-brainer decisions as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Welcome to Inspired by Her, the podcast that will give you the inspiration, motivation, and tips for success from some of the top executives, CEOs, and influencers from around the globe. With your host, serial entrepreneur and named one of the most influential Filipina in the world, Kate Hancock. Morning, everyone. This is Kate. Um, This is the Inspired by Her podcast. And I'm so excited. I have here Fazia Malik. She's a serial entrepreneur, CEO of Super Meals Limited, producer of cool blue pure drinking water in Tanzania. She's way, way out there. It's nine o'clock her time. She's also a founder and managing director of Baby Timbo Limited. It's a diaper trading business. She's 16 years of experience in the manufacturing industry. She's a founding member of EO in Tanzania and serve as a president. I don't know what else can you not do, to be honest. It's Fazia. And she received an award from the top 50 women in management campaign in her country. Welcome. Thank you. And don't believe that hype. It's too much. It's my secretary sent that out. I was like, that's not me. It doesn't sound like me. But yeah, grateful. I'm grateful. Thank you for having me here. I'm very excited to have you here. I can't wait to know more about you, your story and your company. So I'm, I'm so honored for you to be here. So Afazia, where did you grow up? Is that in Tanzania? Tell me. Yes. Um, so, okay, I'll tell you where Tanzania is. Tanzania is where the Serengeti is. If you've heard of Serengeti, that's Tanzania. It's where the Kilimanjaro is. That's Tanzania. It's in the eastern side of Africa. Um, we're about 60 million people in Tanzania. Um, I grew up between Dar es Salaam, the city I'm from, and Nairobi, Kenya. Mm-hmm. So I was in boarding school. I was sent to boarding school at the age of 10, 11, 11. And so I was in boarding school in Kenya, which is an all-girls boarding school Catholic, and Dar es Salaam, which is uh, the city in Dar es Salaam, so in Tanzania. So I was in between those two countries. Wow. Wow. And so describe a person or a situation from your childhood that had a profound effect on the way you look at life. Now? Okay. Uh, okay, so that's a very tricky question. I I remember um, when I was, um, I think, uh, grade four, 
and that was in the boarding school in Nairobi. And I remember my English teacher, she was a literature English teacher. She was very sweet, um, very um, always dreamy kind of world. And one day she asked us in class, she said, who here has looked in the mirror and seen themselves? Mm -hmm. So I remember thinking, yeah, I've done that. So I remember putting my hand up in class and realizing I was the only one that's done that. So she asked me to come in front of the class and to describe to everybody what I saw. So I just told her, I looked in the mirror and I realized this is how I look, this is my face, this is my eyes, this is my nose. And I remember her being so in awe of that at the early age that I could do that. So she said that you're ahead of most people. And I remember thinking that, I'm like, wow, I didn't realize, I thought everybody did that. So I, that, was, that was very profound, hearing from a teacher that I looked up to. So I remember wow. that moment. Yeah, uh, I remember that time when I was younger. I think those little things, encouraging moments from a teacher when you're young. Right, really, yes. It's really impactful for you. It was, yeah. it was really pitch black in where I live in, in Kamigan, in the Philippines. And there was this two older lady, they couldn't find the house that, I think it was one of our neighbor, but they have there's no light in the street. So I guided them to the person's house. And one of the ladies said, you are such a good kid. And from that on, I was, I feel so good doing good things because I did that to you. Right. Or it said it. And you must have felt so smart. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So so I have a question for you here. What moment from your childhood are you most proud of? Hmm. Um, Okay, this is a very deep question. Now I know what you meant by vulnerability. Um, I actually don't have a particular moment, but I, my childhood was, um, I grew up in a house where we were so many cousins. We all grew up together. So it was like maybe about 12 of us, okay? And we would always be together. And I just had many happy memories of playing with my family and my cousins, my sisters, my brothers, my whatever. It just felt like a big family. I don't have one particular moment that I can think of because um, other than that moment with the teacher actually pointing it out to me, I feel like because we were so many in our family, I maybe most of the time I didn't feel seen. Mm-hmm. And this was the one time with the teacher that actually, that saw me. So I feel like that moment still sticks out to me a lot. But yeah, so. And what is, do you have any worst memory of your childhood? There's something you can share. Um, I, I think um, I grew up being told a lot that I'm lucky because I'm pretty and I'll get married. So I think that's been the, uh, it's a resonate thing that I grew up hearing a lot that you will not um, be anything other than married. So I remember that being a very, very motivating thing for me to show people that I'm going to be more than that. Okay. I'm not just that. And I feel like that I've I've been called stupid so many times. I think it was one of those things you're told stupid, you're stupid, you're dumb. And I remember hearing that so many times that there were times where I believed it, but there was this inner struggle in me that I said, no, I'm going to show people I'm more than that. I'm more than that. I'm more than that. So I feel like that was the, it was, was very bad for me being young and hearing that a lot. Yeah. Wow. Well, I, I, I I can't wait to know more about your company. Being a female in Tanzania and a serial entrepreneur, I really wanted to know your story. How did you get there? How did you start your own company in Tanzania? Tell me your journey. Okay, so um, okay, I'll I'll let's start from the beginning. Um, I okay, so I graduated um, university in two thousand two, and I graduated DePaul University. 
And um, right after 9-11, so it was 2002, and obviously they weren't gonna hire any Africans at that time. And I remember the, you know, the job network was horrible. So um, around the same time, I decided to enroll for my MBA, um, at MBA, um, at DuPaul as well. And um, during the summer break, my father asked me to come back to Tanzania. I hadn't been back for three years. And I remember coming back and my father had already started the business, the water business, the water company. So I came here and I remember it was very small when I came back and um, I think he had about um, five employees by then. And so when I came back, I started working as customer care and um, um, I was here for the summer. And then after the summer, my father decided to say, you cannot go back because I need you at the company. So I said, okay, I guess I could stay. I could, you know, go back to uni the year after but not knowing that there was also a marriage in the picture. So I was back in August and married in December. So literally I only knew my husband for four months. Yes. Um, uh, okay. So there's that personal journey, but there's also that work journey. So with the work journey, I'll start with that. Um, I worked for my father and I grew up in the company. So from customer care, I went to operation. Then I grew up the company. And in 2002, I asked my father to step down and I fully took over the company. And um, I built two factories. I have over 100 employees now. We have 30 trucks, so we distribute water. Um, okay, so we're a manufacturing company, uh, bottle water. Um, in Tanzania, not everybody has access to clean water. So we care about people's health and we've made it accessible by delivering for free at homes. And that's actually been our competitive advantage. Um, but over time, I obviously started another factory and came up with new products, but mostly in water sector. Um, yeah, so and obviously growing the second company, there's so many issues I faced. Obviously, now I've taken over the company, um, getting a loan from banks to even, you know, give me any money to build the second factories. I was always looked at, nobody looked at my proposals, nobody looked at my financial analysts. They looked at me like I was a fool. But obviously, I kept on, did stop. I was very focused, determined. I knew what I wanted. I knew what I could do. So they would look at um, what I was actually doing and what I was requesting in terms of funds. Um, it was ridiculous for them. But then I had to sell them on this idea. I knew what could happen. Um, I'm glad there's a bank that actually was able to loan me the money and I grew the company. Um, yeah, and the marriage side. So I was married for 12 years. I, my husband and I grew apart. Um, we just, I think we were married, we were kids and just over time, we just realized we're two different people, um, a very amicable, uh, breakup. We really put our kids in front before, you know, above us and we're still friends today. So it's been a respectful, um, end to our marriage. Yeah. Okay. Well, I have a follow up question. Tell me, how did you relay the, I mean, how do you talk to your dad to step down? That sounds like... How did he react to that? Like, what was the conversation okay. like? So um, my dad, um, being that he obviously was um, my mentor as well, mm -hmm. our relationship, there wasn't a dad relationship for the longest time. He was my employer. Okay. So he always looked at me as an employee and never a daughter. So even when we get home, it was always a discussion about work and everything was always about work. So I felt like um, and my father also founded many businesses, so this wasn't the only one. Mm -hmm. And I think it was more of, I know you could do it. It was more like, can I let you run this? It was more of the belief that I had to show him over time that I could do it. And he's okay to leave me because he had other companies to run as well. Um, so it wasn't really a harsh, it was just more like, I'm ready, dad. I'm ready. I'm ready to do this. And for him to say, okay, 
fine, let's test it out. And then for actually to go through. So. Wow. And you, yeah. you you've proven it and scaled the business. I, I, and, and I remember um, when I was building the new factory, I asked him to come with me to China because I was looking at machineries. Mm -hmm. And I remember him saying to me, um, he said, I am so proud of you. And being that I worked with him as an employee, he'd always put me down throughout, always puts me down. Like, you don't know what you're doing. You're just making mistakes. And it was always as negative. So hearing that, like literally five years later, it was like, thank God. He's actually, he actually sees what I could do. And I remember being so happy. And maybe I did seek a lot for my dad, you know, because it was his, because he's a second generation running a business, there's so much expectation, right? Mm -hmm. And because they see what they can do better. So I feel like the stakes were way higher for me, but for him to say that he was proud of me meant everything. Kind of happy, yeah. That's, that's amazing. Now, how did you decided to create the diaper, um, the baby diaper company? What's oh, that's easy. That? That's the, that was very easy. So I had my first kid. I realized how crazy expensive diapers were in Tanzania. I had my second kid. I was like, oh, I'm not doing this. There's a gap here. So guess what? I visited China and Turkey, and I found, um, you know, basically uh, manufacturers out there. I went and see them, seeked credit facility, developed, um, a, started a company here, then I started importing them. I would sell locally as well as export to Congo where the, the, the markup was huge on the profit part. So it was because there was a need. I saw how much expensive diapers were and how it wasn't that accessible. And there were only two brands here. So that's when the baby diaper came on. Oh, wow. Yeah. So do you have it distributed in the uh, supermarket there or your site? Or yeah, so we, we have trucks that will deliver it as well. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So, um, can you tell me any challenges as you being a female? I think you mentioned you're having a hard time getting funds and, you know, no one's looking at your P&L. Can you tell me the challenges of being female and CEO? I know there's some, I, I've, you know, especially when you look so young, you run, you run a company, no one would really take you seriously. Can you tell me some challenges and how did you overcome it? You know, um, I think prior to EO, this was really tough for me. Um, but what I discovered was a culture, building a culture within your company and um, creating a culture of where we were all, in terms of my employees, how they looked at me and how I was able to, because of course, there was a time I think I was the only female in my company. Then I said, I need to hire more women because they're just not getting me fast enough. Obviously I grew women as we grew the company. But um, I, I, to my employees, I don't know. I feel like we're all the same. They all treat me like just anybody. So I don't get that as many as I would get if I were to go um, like visit, if I'm getting a contract, let's say there's a big company that I want to sign a contract and sitting opposite a male, how to, um, that was hard. Obviously, you know, people would totally dismiss me and um, all would be maybe a sexual content to it where you'd feel like I don't want to be there. I don't want to go. I, most of the time I would refuse to go to sit on these um, negotiations. I'll send like another employee to go where I felt like maybe that would be put on the table as well. Not put, but implied. It just felt very uncomfortable for me. Um, towards the government, oh, nobody took me seriously on the government side because here mostly are Africans and they look at me, this Arab woman, like, what are you even doing? Go home and sleep. Go be a wife. I remember hearing that a lot. So those, that, that, that's normal hearing that um, here. But um, um, no, but I, what I had to do was build my brand. I had, it, I had to make sure 
it is recognizable where people understand who I am. So when, when we say cool blue now, everybody's like, oh, so you're the owner of cool blue. I'm like, yeah, they expect something totally different. And then I'm like, yeah, it's me. Me who's been running it. So I feel like it was the integrity part I had to make sure that we deliver on the promise where now by when we go somewhere, they actually can, they say the brand speaks for itself. And um, so over time I was able to get that respect that I needed. But in the beginning, obviously it was hard. And I had to grow my company culture, my employees to look at me differently because just like any Tanzanians, they did look at women as any African, you'd hear this a lot. You know, you're just a woman, go home and cook. But then I had to build a culture that understood this is not okay to think like that. And obviously over time, everybody got to that point as well. Yeah, um, I, I get that a lot too, being a female. And then my husband is as white as he is. And when we go, or like I have a meeting and they just assume I'm the wife and oh, yeah. he was oh, yeah. running the business, right? So you right. really have to like, no, like it's hard not to get insulted, but like yeah. I think over time you get used to it and you just say it right there. You want to make sure that you're running it. Oh my God. So I'll tell you a story. There's, um, I was in Italy this uh, past um, August and I had gone with my younger brother. So I'm kind of grooming him to be taking on my position. I remember I'd say, come with me. We're going to look at machines and I'm thinking of expanding. And I remember, you know, we were in this trade fair and every booth we went to, nobody was looking at me. They were looking at him. So they're all giving him attention. And I was like, is this going to keep happening? And I remember my brother said, because, you know, my brother's very, you know, obviously tuned on. So he was just like, wow, relax. I got this. I'm like, okay, you take over. You do you. But it was very frustrating. There were times I'm like, excuse me, it's me who asked the question, you know? So, yeah, yeah. we kind of have, we have to push through. We do have to. Yeah. yeah I, think so I understand it, what you're saying. Yeah. It just takes a few conversations and then you're like, okay, you really know what you're talking about, but right. Right. Well, to break that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Being a female and looking young, they, no one will take you seriously. No, not at all. Yeah. We have to work harder to prove ourselves out there that we're capable. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's hard. Yeah. So Fazia, um, what was one of your deepest motivation in life? I think it's, um, it's always been that people didn't see me more than just being a pretty girl. Um, as I said, growing up, I heard that a lot. I felt like that was, if anything, the desire to prove people that I'm more than that. So it has been underlining that I am, you know, I think it's just that I am smart. I can do this. I can do that. That's been my deepest motivation to date. Um, I still struggle with it, obviously. I still have people, you know, obviously, like you said, you walk in, they don't even take you seriously. So that's still my motivation to date. I can do this. Just give me a chance. I can do this. And yeah, I keep going. I love that. Just give me a chance. I can do this. Yeah. That's actually what I said to my very first interview and I got hired. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh I, my I got, God. Yeah. It was in the Philippines and I, you know, the funny story is I actually went with a friend. My friend invited me are you also tired of one-size-fits-all weight loss plans? Meet Noom, the personalized solution that meets you where you are. Noom is able to understand your unique needs, from dietary restrictions to medical concerns. Unlike restrictive programs, Noom embraces your lifestyle and choices. Discover a sustainable approach to weight loss, tailored just for you. Honestly, Noom felt like it was made for me. It's not just about what I eat. It's about understanding why. 
With Noom, I've learned so much about myself and built healthier habits that stick. It's all about progress, not perfection. Say goodbye to restrictive diets and experience the Noom app for yourself with personalized lessons and expert coaching. Noom's psychology and biology-based approach has helped over 5.2 million people achieve their goals. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first-ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard-to-recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. To tag along for the interview. And while I was there sitting, I said, you all, I'm, I'm, I'm here already. So why not, right? So I did, I did, you know, he interviewed me and he actually hired me instead of my friend. So I felt really bad. But that's oh, what I said. Oh just, just, just try me. I'll prove it to you. I'll, I'll really do. I'll, I will do my job. And he hired me. And I wasn't even prepared. It was in a different city. I didn't have any bags. So I had to grab my bag. And it was Friday. And he told me to work on Monday. So I have to fly last minute and I don't know where to live but I went to the city and no friends and I don't oh even know the job <laughs> I what happened with your friend that's crazy you know actually we, I think she wasn't happy that I got the job so I can imagine yeah so um but that was say it just reminded me when you said that word that's exactly right what and every time I go for an interview I always get hired at first the f- that, you know, right away but I think also there was there's a thing in you that knew you could do it you know so it's, it's like yeah. that push yeah and you had to say something yeah you had to say yeah. you had that moment yeah so I know what you and, mean yeah yeah and every time I, I do an interview I keep on waiting for that who's that someone would tell me that um, yeah, I keep on waiting. Yeah. Like, it's not a hard word to say or a phrase to say, but no, it's like, to, you know, I, I keep on waiting for that word. Oh my God, yes, you're, you're so right. Yes, you're absolutely right. When I do interview women, I want them to say that. I want them to say they can do it. Let me believe in you. I need that. You know, I feel like it's such an easy hire if somebody said that. You're like, you can do it. Good. Do it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, you're running this multi-million dollar company. Uh, tell me about the mistake that you made. Hmm. Um, okay, so I think uh, my mistake that I made, I feel like it applies in my life a lot and it trickles down in every area. And that is, I really put people's opinions above mine. And whether it's um, my family, whether it's employees, whether it's relationships, you know, it's always that like, the best example I can tell you, I remember there was an employee that I, I had and I could see this guy just couldn't do it, right? And I knew in my gut he couldn't do it, but there was all these things that he said he could do, he could do, he could change this. And you know, you give people chances over chances. And um, I think it's taken me to 42 years to realize that, no, once you know something, just do it. You know, you know like you have, you have to trust your instincts. 
So I feel like I have allowed too many people to speak over things that I knew I could do it. So if anything, that's the mistake. I'm hoping to learn that I stop making it, but yeah, we'll see. Okay. Yeah. Do you have um, the majority of your employee that are they female or mixed or? So currently mixed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Do you find that women would tend to look up to you than male or do you feel like you still have to prove yourself? Um, definitely um, the women look up to me a lot um they actually it's, it's weird i feel like the women that i have we bond so much faster of course we know why um and i i really coach them more than i would a man i don't know why because i just and it's always that thing is like i want you to do more i know you can do more i spend lots of time coaching them and you do get these shining stars that come across you know that actually prove to you they can do it so um definitely i'll say yeah the women look up to me and the male, obviously, I mean, there are some employees that always write me these nice positive messages of how I've changed their life. So maybe they do as well. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I, I think um, it took me a while how to really more gentle to manage people. I think EO helped me a lot until like, yes. the, like what a blessing, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. In the beginning, totally. when, like, you're just starting up, you're just hardcore like yeah. really tough and then yes. in the end you realize you know what you know human being it, it's the same how you treat you know goldfish to a person like we really have to be gentle to everyone yeah yeah and you have to care to right that. yeah it took me a while yeah. to learn that yeah so um what scares you the most about this current situation is your i mean you're in water so but is your like oh are you affected so, by so i am i am lucky um obviously um i have lost some business i would say i lost i've lost 40 percent of my business um because of a lot of um so we do deliver to offices as well and homes but mostly the offices are the ones that are shut down so that's part of my business going down um so i am affected um I'm, am i scared for my company or for the country Am I scared that we'll lose business? I'm really not worried about that. I'll be honest with you. I feel like we can always reinvent ourselves. You know, God only gives us what we can handle. I'm such a firm believer of that. The universe listens to us. So I believe whatever happens, we can always just as people overcome this. But I'm more worried about Tanzania and COVID. We are at, um, you know, most people here live hand to mouth. Um, and we are over 60 million people. And... Um, considering our healthcare system is way below what American is. So you can imagine the fear that I have. And this is till today, we are not told to, there's no lockdown in Tanzania. So everybody's still moving around like crazy. Mm -hmm. And so far we have, I think 32 cases of today. So we still don't have that many cases. Um, and I think only three deaths, but it's the fear of the unknown, the uncertainty of what will happen. If we were to hit here, what would happen to us? Um, we're still working. So um, we're not as affected, but we've lost some business as well. So. Yeah, it's, it's, I think this is the worst thing because you don't really know what's mm. going to happen in the next few months. So we're all anxious. I just try to meditate myself every yeah. day. I try. Very positive. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Hey, we, we, we're in this together. You know what? Worst case scenario, tell my friend. 
if this will go to like the worst, we can create another one. Like that's what we do, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we we can totally do something else. That's not the end of us. And how about your business? How has it been affected? Oh, both of them are close. <laughs> yeah, so wow. I have, you know, I have my hotels are closed in the Philippines. It's the spa definitely will be the last thing that people would consider in buying after I I don't know. We, this is probably wow. going to be back to normal probably by next year because look at our unemployment rate is I can imagine yeah yeah it's gonna so I I'm hopeful that I still have a business to come back but to get to out super blurry yeah but I you will you will something else <laughs> yeah you will you have to stay healthy that's the only thing right that's, that's but all you I will. Right yeah now. yeah my family yeah. and my health that's all I care and I have a roof in my head that's it exactly yeah I love Her- that all right, Faja, um, can you name a person who has had a tremendous impact on you as a leader? Um, I have two people. Um, one is my grandmother. Uh, my grandmother was the first entrepreneur that I knew. Um, mm-hmm. She was very strong, hardworking, intimidating. She owned a farm. I remember growing up in her farm. And she'd wake up four four in the morning and um, ask us to go pick eggs from the chickens and make breakfast. And the boys had to go milk the cows. And obviously the eggs and the milk will be taken to the town to be sold. So I remember my grandmother being very, um, when she spoke, everybody shut up. Everybody listened to her. She was so powerful. I can't even tell you. Till today, I get people telling me like, that was your grandmother? I'm like, yeah, like that woman. She was, she, I grew, I grew. And, and, and thank God, I come from a line of lots of women. So my cousins were obviously raised by brother. And a lot of the women in my family are very, very strong and very opinionated and very much like we know what we want. We're going after it. So I am surrounded by women that are like that. Um, the second person is my father. Obviously, my father being my mentor and he, him showing me how to how the ropes in the, com- the company, the ropes, how to run a business, how to um, evaluate things. So definitely my father. Yeah, my grandmother. Okay. That's wonderful. Um, what is something you would do even if you never made any money? I would be uh, a Zumba instructor. <laughs> um, you know those, those you know those gym videos? That's me on Instagram. I will be doing oh, that if you I don't have do that. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> Totally. I would be sending those. I love working out. Uh, I enjoy doing it. I have fun. So totally for no money. Yeah. Why not do it? We have the time. I would love to. I would love I to. Do do it. Oh, you did. You have to follow me. My Instagram page is called fit with Fow. Okay. I just started it recently. Yeah. Okay. So it's a separate account then. I'm sorry. Okay. I, I have, I have to follow you in that one. Yes. And it's only women. So that's the thing. It's only women because then, you know, I, I don't want to show people whatever. So mm-hmm. it's only open to women. So please follow me. Fit I, to foul. Yes. Yes. All right. So think back to a time that you felt transformed. How did you change and why? Okay. This is so easy, right? Mm-hmm. It's EO, right? I, I, I'm sure you get this a lot, right? I feel like for me, it was definitely EO. And um, I remember 
how I was approached to join EO and actually being, um, you know, fast launching the chapter here in Tanzania and the forum. My first forum was my everything. They helped me through my divorce. They helped, it's the first time I felt seen, I felt loved, I felt heard. I didn't feel lonely because I could always reach out to these men. They were all men in my forum. But yeah, definitely that. And obviously over the years, I keep applying to um, positions in leadership because I know what is done in my life and I want to give back as much as I can. So definitely EO has transformed my life, yeah. Wow. So for those of you who do not know, EO is an entrepreneur's organization. We're in 62 countries um, and 14,000 members. Right. Yes, 14,000 now, yeah. And it's a a peer-to-peer sharing community of business, right? Yeah. How did you, um, being a female and you serve as a president, how did you handle that? Yeah. Oh my God. Um, okay. So, uh, you know, <laughs> don't ask the other members, but they will tell you I was a dictator. Just kidding. <laughs> but I heard that a lot. Um, but I remember our chapter was small. We had to grow and we, you know how it's just like a business. You had to do the work. Mm-hmm. So I was cutthroat. I was sharp because I know what we had to do to launch the chapter. Um, but, uh, it honestly, I, I was a person for two years, um, and it wasn't by choice, both, both, both times, you know, we're always told to do stuff in EO. And I think a lot of the EO members saw that I could do it. So I stepped onto those shoes. I enjoyed it. I loved being a president. I love learning. I love meeting all these EO members. So, um, I enjoyed it. That's like I can say, it's like, it grew me, right? What you see is because of that. So I'm happy I did it. Yeah. And how long have you been a member now? Five years now. This is my sixth year. Yeah. Going on my sixth year. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I, I, I love my, my forum mates and friends. It's just nice that you just share whatever and no one will judge you because you have, you share the same core values and everyone understands. So like, it's just refreshing having it. Yeah. And it's the whole vulnerability. Like you're allowed to be vulnerable there. Yeah. And you can just say whatever, and it's 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 confidential. So that's definitely Especially this time. Like we just had our check in an hour ago, and it's just nice to have a support system. Like we yeah. all need each other. Yeah. So I, I, I mean, I love the women of EO page. It's the one that pops twenty four seven, right? Have you noticed on Instagram? I mean, what's up? Sorry. Yes. Yeah. Oh my god, I love yeah. it. I it's love like it. Yeah. Powerful women in one group is just like. Yeah, so it's it's exciting. It keeps you updated. You know what's going on around the world. It's amazing, and the support. Yeah, you are so generous. I think the generosity yes. really yes. is really like people are just willing to give their time and and connections and, and just and so loving. Right, I love that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, so what? What have been the most influential experience in your life outside of EO? Or I know you mentioned EO. Um, oh, okay. So I'd say the most influential up to date has to be GLA. I know it's part of EO. I'm sorry. But GLA, the, Glo- the Global Leadership Academy, I attended in 2018. And um, I I was in the same class with Winnie, but it was my first time to meet uh, Warren Rustam. And it was the whole, it was four days that we put in extreme situations where you are forced to break down literally to your core. So, you know, we had long days and long nights and, you know, 
God, it was so deep. But I remember that I left there feeling totally changed. You know, I, I knew what my purpose was, clarity, where I was going, what I wanted to do, how to raise my kids. So it's definitely one of those moments. It was my aha moment, I'd wow. say. Well, yeah. listening to Warren, it just, yeah. how can you be so all together? Like, it's just like listening to his voice and stuff that comes out of his mouth. It was just so relaxing and it really puts you centered. Right, right. Yeah. And you know what he says? He said, I love what he says. What I do is what I say. What I say is what I believe. Mm-hmm. And, and, and you hear it from him because he's actually the person who does what he says. So you're like, learning from him is actually was so profound because you can believe that you're not hearing an inspirational speaker somebody who actually lives that life and it's easier to digest that so that's what i found yeah just like the amount of humility in him is very like right like sometimes i would listen to him in his live like it gets you teared eye like how is like you're listening to it live like it exists right can you adopt me? Can you be my grandfather, please? I love you. Like, yeah, I know what you mean. <laughs> okay, so what do you see as your place or purpose in life? So, um, as I said, um, I felt like GLA um, made me realize my purpose. And obviously, it's been a struggle ever since to continue to find it, right? Mm-hmm. And um, one thing was so clear is that I love my family and, you know, and how, how can that be my purpose when it's just my family? Then I realized it's a whole center on community. I wanted to be more for my family. I wanted to be the person that they could all reach out. So my purpose is, is actually, it trickles to, um, you know, whether it's my employees, being a pillar for people. If I can be of service and be reliable to family and anybody that's, whether it's my community, whether it's my employees, whether it's what. So my purpose is around that, helping people that are close to me that I can. So it's the same, I guess, with the EO. If you can help anybody, if I have the power to, I would love to do that. So, and, but the center of it is my family, definitely. And I have a huge family. So, I mean, our, our gatherings is about 100 people. That's normal for us. So imagine being like sort of like a voice for everybody and just saying, I'm here. If you need me, I'm here. I can do this. I can help out. So that's my purpose to help and give back to my family as much as I can. That's wonderful. And um, what do you stand for? Hmm. Integrity, I guess, respect. Yeah. Love. Yeah integrity is my very first as well i think it's it's, yeah yeah it's wonderful um and paja how do you want to be remembered Hmm. uh you know what i i I don't know if it sounds okay but i do want to be remembered as reliable (laughs) and but if i it's reliable in a way that um i guess I do love what Warren said. It's like what he says, what he do is what he believes, you know? So I want to be that person that people can always call on and be there for them. And if I can help in any way, I'll try to, but also in a way, if I can inspire as many young girls that are growing up in the Arab community, um, and any, obviously any girls around that look up to me. So if I can inspire anybody and share my story, obviously I would love to be remembered as the person that, you know, that actually said she would do something and she did it. So definitely reliable is in the center of this. Yeah. 
Well, thank you so much. And thank you for being open and sharing thank your you. story. I'm, I'm so happy for you. I mean, thank you so much. And you stay safe. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you so much. Thank I can't you. Thank wait you to this. follow your Instagram workout. Yes. Fit to follow, please. Yeah. Oh, where can they find you? Can you shout out your handle? Okay. So, so it's fit with foul mm-hmm. at Instagram. Yeah. Do you want me to share with you? I'll share it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right. Okay. Thank you. So, Have a great night. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks for the call. I enjoyed this. Yeah. Bye. We hope you enjoyed the show. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe and visit katehancock.com so you don't miss out on the next episode. Did you know a 2018 study showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual. When I was four months pregnant, I couldn't find a prenatal I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested for heavy metals, and recently earned the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. But don't just take my word for it. Get 25% off at ritual.com prenatal.